Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Infinite Journey Podcast. I'm Paul James Caden, and on today's show, join me and my guest Stan Wanglin as we talk about how to deal with chronic pain, depression, and anxiety. I had to record a little bit of an introduction to this show because for some reason in the primary recording, the introduction was cut off. So we hope you enjoy the show and we hope this helps some of the listeners out there that might be suffering from these chronic conditions. ...and confusion of this present world. We've been talking about a lot of things on this show concerning spirituality and some very crazy is that some uh, religious and spiritual people have. But today we're going to bring it down to earth uh, just a little bit. And we're going to talk about how to deal with pain, depression, and I might even want to add to that anxiety. And I wanted to do this show because I've been talking probably... Uh, since the beginning of this whole COVID-19 pandemic, talking to a lot of people who have uh, physical issues, you know, back problems, MS, fibromyalgia. Uh, some people had uh, knee replacements, hip replacements, a lot of pain. And they're just feeling very depressed they say their pain is much worse than it's ever been some people that never had pain are saying that they just right. feel tired and their body is hurting them all the time so i thought this would be a good show to talk about because everybody seems to be having some level of mental or uh you know physical discomfort because of things that are happening in the world today the way people are so Joining me on the show today to talk about this is my old partner in crime. We did a podcast together. Uh, we probably called it quits about six months ago or so called People Under the Stairs. Welcome to the show, Mr. Stan Wangland. Hey, hi, Paul. It's nice to be back uh, doing a show with you, and, and I hope there's uh, more to follow. And uh, as always, uh, we've done so many shows together. I hope you come in and and. Uh, act as a guest on my news show right now. You know, I just uh, came back on the air after a little hiatus due to some of these very same reasons that you're talking about today. Just, uh, you know, a fatigue from, um, you know, from world events just where, you know, they just became, they take the joy out of podcasting sometimes. So uh, it did. It, yeah, it, it did for me, you know, because all the, you know, had a very successful show, like your shows have been very successful. And and uh, yeah, you just don't want to. You, you want to have fun. You you want to talk about serious things, but you you don't want everything to be a drag. Every show that you do, and uh, when the environment is that way, it becomes very unpleasant uh, for some people. You know, some people thrive on that. I don't. And you know, it kind of ties into your uh, topic here today with pain, depression, anxiety, um, and you know, wild external events. You know. It does. It certainly does. And that's sure. the, the reason is, is uh, folks know, or at least uh, most know that listen to this show, why I hung up my former show, The Spirit Side. It became too much entrenched in conspiracy theories mm -hmm. and politics. And, you know, I, I was getting very much out of 
my personal character where, I mean, you know, you know, I was starting to go on some rants and using some very <laughs> colorful language, you know, when it comes to all, and this was supposed to be a spiritual show. And I said, man, this, this is really, you know, affecting everyone, you know, just mm-hmm. getting our dander up, you know, I, I have to walk away from this. So it's something I still talk about because it's something we're dealing with in the world, but right. not as much. And from a very different, uh, you know, perspective. But before we uh, jump into our conversation here, uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and your background for those that uh, may not be familiar uh, with who you are because they're new to this show. Uh, Who is Stan Wangland and why do I have you here talking about this particular subject today? Well, I'll talk about myself in the third person. I, I, that's a fun, that's a personal joke. I, I have a friend who does that. I'll say, I'll say Dan is not doing so is Dan? You mean you, Dan, or the other Dan that's here? But uh, my name is Dan Wang, and I'll be 70 years old this uh, January. And uh, I'm a clinical psychologist who's retired uh, now from uh, New York State, uh, amongst other jobs. I worked for New York State for almost well, 38 years. And I was a senior clinician and senior administrator in all kinds of programs with uh, people um, in uh, the Office of Mental Hygiene, the Division for Youth, Corrections, and for well over 30 some odd years with the Office of People with Developmental Disabilities. I'm also um, uh, an adjunct professor in um, psychology, uh, general psychology, uh, human development, uh, child and adolescent development, uh, abnormal psychology, those, those kinds of things. Um, you know, uh, I, as a matter of fact, this is the first semester, of, you know, due to COVID and related things, I, I actually have not taught this semester. And it's probably time for me to, to become retired with that too. But uh, my background is, you know, I've, uh, you know, worked in all fields, um, uh, you know, related to psychology. I, have, uh, I really would say I have a vast experience in all branches of that. I've had my own practice, uh, you know, to do uh, counseling and individual therapy, uh, do a lot of stuff with uh, testing and evaluation of people. Love to do podcasting. Uh, have done, had a long history of um, doing consulting in terms of motivational stuff and all kinds of things like that and have great uh, familiarity personally and uh, professionally with the topic today with people who have pain depression anger fatigue think of the parents i've worked with uh, you know that uh, you know mom gives birth to a baby and then has the baby has a terrible disability and the family is totally unprepared for that. As a matter of fact, no family is prepared for that. Think of the pain and anxiety they go through. Uh, some people are never the same, uh, you know. Well, actually, all people are never the same with that. But some people rise to the occasion. Other people seem to get destroyed by it. Uh, you know, no different than the things that you see now, uh, you know, with politics or whatever. There's great divisiveness in families and things like that. I've worked in corrections where people were going to jail and people say, why does he or she keep you know, using drugs? Why do they keep breaking the law and families are ruined and there's pain and depression and things like that. And then just plain old mental illness, emotional disturbance. Uh, great experience with that. And uh, probably we all do. We all probably have something where we felt very distraught over a divorce or a breakup or losing a job or the death of a parent, uh, the death of a child, 
Uh, I mean, I've had them all. I've, you know, I've been divorced. I've had my home flooded. I've had my parents uh, get Alzheimer's. I lost my oldest daughter, uh, passed away, you know, uh, several years ago unexpectedly, uh, you know, who was a, a brilliant young lady. So, you know, you, you can experience all those things in life. So I don't know if that's too much or too little, Paul, in a nutshell, but that's who I am. I mean, you know, I've... I've experienced all things uh, like all of the listening audience. And then as a professional, I've dealt with people on that. And one thing I wanted to throw out just before, uh, you know, uh, we get lost in the weeds or I get lost in the weeds. I once had somebody um, say something to me about somebody who had an emotional disturbance with severe depression and, and, and anxiety because they kind of go hand in hand. And they kind of, you know, implied that they were malingering, you know, which is another fancy word for faking. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that's a hard one to prove. I said, but I doubt it. And they said, why? I said, because look at the circles under this person's eyes. I said, they're exhausted. And I said, well, how do you know that's due to that? I said, oh, oh, mental illness, emotional disturbance, pain, fatigue, anxiety. It requires a lot of energy. It's uh, one of the selling points I've had with people when, you know, you want to motivate them to kind of give up crazy behaviors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remind them how much energy it takes to be sick or to be emotionally disturbed. It takes a lot, a lot of energy. And, you know, most people really don't, you know, some people get some gain out of that, but most people really don't. They would rather not have to expend all that energy on feeling poorly. So whatever you get out of tonight's show, you know, that's something to consider. When you're making some choices, you know, before I forget that, because it's a really good lesson. Yes, definitely. And we're going to we're going to cover, I hope, a a lot of areas uh, here tonight uh, in the time that we have. Mm -hmm. And I want to I want to start out with just people that live with any kind of pain or chronic condition or maybe they were injured on the job. I know there's a, a handful of folks that uh, have listened to my shows, you know, right from the beginning of my uh, podcasting endeavors who, you know, live with pain or disabilities, you know, because of pain or conditions. And um, I, I'd like to speak to those folks, you know, how to deal with with the physical pain. And then, of course, we'll we'll progress, you know, into uh, you know, the depression and the anxiety, but first we'll just focus on uh, the physical pain. And the, the first thing I, I would like to say is I hear a lot of folks say, why did God do this to me? Or they will ask me the question if I'm doing a spiritual counseling session with them. They'll ask the question, why do you think God did this to me? Why is he putting me through this? I didn't do anything. And, you know, right from the get go, you know, I would like to say, you know, God isn't doing this to anybody. This is just an old religious idea, you know, that God tests us, even if we're good people, you know, going uh, about our way, uh, helping others or going to church. And, you know, he tests us through these physical pains and trials you know these i believe through really searching these things out over the years because once upon a time i i believed all of that 
And, you know, I've really come to the conclusion that these are more man-made ideas to try to come up with a reason for the suffering or to put uh, maybe the uh, the religious spin on it because that makes it more tolerable for some people. God wants me to go through this. You know, and I think people have to understand that we live currently in what many call, you know, a, a flawed world, a physical world. Accidents happen, disease happen, things happen. You know, the the physical body can become damaged or injured or ill in some way. It's It's not necessarily God putting these things on people to punish them or to teach them. You know, so I would right out of the gate say to people, if, if that's kind of the thought that you have, and a lot of people do, don't torture yourself because it, it makes matters so much worse. It makes the pain worse. It makes the depression worse. It makes the anxiety worse. It makes you feel like you're being punished and you're not good somehow because God is doing this to you. You know, so I would say don't torture yourself with those kind of thoughts. It's it's unfounded. It's untrue. And, of course, God will help you deal with and and get through those, you know, hard days and bad times, you know, through faith. But he's not the source of your pain. And now with that being said, uh, let's get into. And, and maybe you'd uh, you'd want to comment on that if if you want, but uh, talk a little bit about ways people can deal with physical pain, whether through natural remedies, uh, things they can do to alleviate it, or even uh, mentally, you know, by not dragging themselves through the uh, the broken glass, self torture. I'm no good. I'm worthless. God is doing this to me, type of thing. Uh, that's a lot to throw at you there on a ball of wax, but uh, no, no, it, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. I'm, I'm, you know, with the religious uh, part of it, uh, I think I, you know, like anybody else, I, I've, I've been through very painful experiences physically. I've had sciatica, I've had kidney stones, uh, I've had, uh, you know, a, a long history of back problems, a couple of other issues, uh, heart issue, but I've had some very painful conditions. Never in my wildest imagination would I ever blame God for that because nobody gets out of life alive. These are all naturally things that occur in nature. Right. And, uh, you know, and I think it depends what your philosophy is, your perspective on things. But that's for, you know, ministers. That's for a person to go on their, you know, their own journey and to try and, uh, you know, figure that out. And I think that's answered. But, I mean, everybody finds that in their own way. So I'm going to leave that one. Uh, but all the other ones, I think I can, you know, hopefully be of some real help to your audience. I think the first thing when people experience pain, uh, that's one I think that, you know, uh, Paul, that, you know, you, I, I think you're going to, you, you, you want me to really answer. We're all going to experience some kind of pain, whether it be, you know, tooth pain, pain from the surgery, pain from cancer pain from some kind of uh, ongoing condition, pain from migraines, it's all kinds of pain. 
And, uh, you know, people try and say, oh, this is a worse pain than another. And it doesn't work that way with human beings. I've often explained to people that it's like if you go in an emergency room, if, you, if you've broken your back or broken your leg and you're in excruciating pain and you come in, but somebody's been in an, in a, in an automobile accident, has third degree burns over two thirds of their body, who's in more pain? You only know the pain that you're experiencing at that time. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, and so you could be having a kidney stone and uh, you're in excruciating pain or, and you could be having a heart attack and technically in less pain. But you don't know that if you've never you're not comparing it. it the pain is very real. Pain becomes very important to people because they panic, which is normal, and they don't know when it's going to stop. They want reassurance that it's going to stop. And I'll give you a good example. In countries where you're allowed to have um, years ago, and, and now, you, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, so, you know, forgive me, I, I can't speak as a medical doctor, but of course I have experience working with medical doctors and people in hospice programs and things like that. Our country has a very funny um, view on pain medication as, a, as opposed to other countries where it was much more liberal. And with the opioid crisis, you know, that's happened in our country right now, when it started to ease up, now it's kind of backed off again. But here's the thing. When people have terminal illnesses, they feel wonderful. And many times their lives are extended if they know that they can opt out for physician-assisted suicide. And you're going to say, what the hell does this have to do with pain and depression? They actually become very happy and very relieved because, number one, they have control. Number two, they know there's a limit to the pain. And by the fact that they know that they have control and there's a limit to the pain and they're getting the best pain medication that they can get, that it's freely given to them because people in many countries that are a little more sophisticated than ours with pain management say, hey, we're not worried about you becoming a drug addict. You probably only have six months to live, you know? We're going to give you as many drugs as you need, short of dying, uh, so that you don't have to experience any pain. So people feel great relief, and they have great thanks for that. Does that make sense to you, Paul? It does. It's, it's, it's the old scenario where uh, somebody might have had uh, pain in their life, and they had a very strong prescription. Yes. And at the end, you know, that their body got better, but they have that one pill of that very strong prescription in that bottle. And they say, I'm only going to take it when I really need it. Yes. That's, and, that's kind of the, their way out. But the, the thing is, most people end up dying and that thing is still in the bottle. They never touched it for years and years, but it just yes. brings peace of mind knowing it's there. <laughs> I really need it. Excuse me. Bless you. Yes, and if you think that that's a silly uh, example I'm giving or it's not true, let me give you a stranger one. I love to watch uh, the History Channel, and I love archaeology. And I don't know if you if you get a chance, watch the archaeological research that they've done at the Battle of the Little Bighorn with Custer's Last Stand. Uh-huh. And what they've done is they've gone there and they've recovered uh, many of the weapons. They look at the bodies where they laid. They look for the cartridges. Uh, that, that they find the bullets for the shot and they found out the whole battle and the way that it was fought was way different than you know it's been portrayed in the movies and everything else so on and so forth the indians had superior firepower blah 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 blah, blah. what's one of the common things that 
the U.S. cavalry soldiers used to do when they would fight Indians. They always kept one in the chamber if the Indians were coming to get them to do what? To shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. And many of the people that they saw, you know, with Custer's last stand, many of them were in these skirmish lines. And you could see by the stuff, it was the end of the line. And uh, they had, a, you know, 250 uh, madder than hell uh, Indians coming down the line that were going to grab them. And they, they weren't just going to, like, shoot them. They were going to give them a really slow and painful death, you know. So these guys had seen that many times. And what did they do? It was a, it was wasn't a hard choice, right? Are you going to take, uh, you know, 40 hours to die, uh, you know, being burned alive or skinned alive or whatever it is? Or are you going to take a bullet to the temple? Mm-hmm. So they would find people in those situations taking a bullet to the temple. Now, that may sound like a crazy thing in the show here, but it's not. It's the same thing. It's that sense of control that people have relief when they have control. They can make these decisions when they have control. When people are put in situations where they go to the emergency room or they go to a doctor and the doctor is insensitive or doesn't want to address their pain uh, or makes them feel like they're you know, belly aching or something like that. Not good. They become very anxious. They become very nervous. The anxiety and the nervousness becomes very frustrating. It interferes with their sleeping. It interferes with their eating. It interferes with their joy in life. It interferes with their sex life, with their ability to concentrate. And that fatigue and anxiety and uh, pain then leads many times to depression. You know, you have all that stress and that that just being fatigued depresses. That's the term. It depresses your ability. And then the depression makes you more anxious. And it's a cycle. The more anxious and depressed you become, the more your immune system is affected, the more your eating is affected, the more your sleeping is affected. And the worse that you feel. Right. Oh, definitely. So the trick is to break up the chain of that. And that's why, you know, some physicians try to use medications. You know, if you're anxious, they try and use anti-anxiety stuff, because when you're anxious for so long, uh, the anxiety becomes exhausting, like I said, and then you get the depression and the other things. So they try and break up the anxiety. They try and mellow you out with different things. Or if you're depressed... You know, they try and, and, and put a check on the depression so that you can get up moving and get up doing things and not lay in bed all day long or do anything else and start to feel better. So when you take a situation like we have right now with all the divisiveness in the country, you have COVID, you're being isolated from other people, you're afraid to go to the doctor, you, you don't trust the, the treatments and the information that you're being given. You're afraid that you're going to be uh, infected with a a disease that has no vaccine, has no really cure for it. And uh, what's happening when you get it? Your family can't even come in and see you. You're going to die alone. Yeah, that's a rough one. Am I I touching on the things that, you know, you know, you you wanted me to touch on? I mean, this, this is very real. I mean, you know, it's it's you you can't go out and eat. You can't go to the bar and talk to your friends. You can't go to the bowling alley like I like to do and horse around with all my buddies. 
you know, you're stopped from doing a lot of the things that a therapist would tell you, hey, you know, when you're feeling depressed, go for a walk, go eat a turkey sandwich, uh, you know, because of the, the, the tryptophan in the turkey and, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, a multigrain bread, which is a slow carb, which will work on your brain to make you feel better. Go mm-hmm. have a you know, go have a good laugh. You know the old thing, uh, laughter is the best medicine. It is. It releases all kinds of neurotransmitters that make you feel good. All kinds of endorphins. How the hell can you laugh if you're in a hospital and you can't see your family or your friends? You can't go to the movies. You can't go out and and safely eat at a restaurant. You can't, like I said, you can't go bowling. You can't go golf. You can't go to the beach. Everything is no, no, no. And then people catastrophize. They think that this is going to last forever. You know? So what are some things you can do about it? You can, number one, uh, you try and use what what is really called cognitive behavioral therapy. And that means check out your perceptions. Is this going to really last forever? No. You and I talk about this all the time, Paul. I mean, you know, uh, you know, and and your wife and I. I mean, who's you know my niece, and uh, I love you guys. I want to see you. I want to see Emily. You know, see the whole family all the time, and you can't because you can't you know kill your your daughter. You you know with uh, getting her sick. Uh, I'm an older person. I'm in great shape, but I, I do have some underlying conditions. I can't take a chance with those things just foolishly. <clears throat> but I, but I, really, I try to put it in perspective, in a, you know, and I'm suggesting this to you folks in the audience. I say, how lucky can I get that I live in a beautiful house? I can pay my bills. Uh, I, I have family members who can look out for me. I, I have good doctors that... Uh, that I trust within reason, uh, that I feel that I can make, you know, good decisions. What if we were in World War II? That's why I always remind myself, what if this was World War II? Shit went on, you know, pardon my language, for, you know, six, seven years in some countries, eight years, nine years. It's not permanent. It's, it's... Oh, uh, it will definitely have its uh, its conclusion. It's not going to last uh, for an eternity. But for some folks, they they think they're convinced it is going to go on for years and years. Possibly, uh, <laughs> I know some people that think it's going to last, uh, uh, you know, at least for the next decade. You know, and that's very uh, very and disheartening. It and it might, but you know, it, you you can try and flip that around. But there's another side to your question. Uh, I, I think the COVID one is, is a tough one, but it's the easier of the two. The other one is when you have something like fibromyalgia or you have some kind of a cancer or you have some kind of um, a serious back injury or you have some kind of a serious uh, medical problem that's a chronic problem. That's something that means that you, you're not going to die from it, but you're going to have it for a long time. It's chronic. Or something that revisits you. I, I, I know at one stage in my life, I, I had sciatica five times in like six years. And it was like, holy God, it's, it's so painful, folks. You have no idea what that's like. You, you can't even sit on the toilet. You can't even wash your hands at the sink because you, if you have to bend, just you can't find a pain position. 
it, it, it's excruciating back pain. Uh, you know, and it goes in all in, in other ways. And other people have migraine headaches where they can't function. Other people have fibromyalgia, other, other conditions or, you know, other people have, you know, serious uh, eczema and psoriasis or, you know, other, uh, you know, CP or, you know, other things that is that cerebral palsy or Parkinson's. And, you know, those things are very uh, disheartening uh, for people to have. But uh, you know the ways of treating with those are not making are not making excuses and telling yourself that these things aren't real. They're trying to find you know for you to accept you know what it is and accept your uh, you know your feelings connected with that, and then to try and and develop a plan uh, that meets your individual health goals. You know, what you're looking for. Some people can say, hey, I'd be really happy if I could eliminate 25% of this pain. I could live with that. Other people say, I can't handle that at all. You know, to, to be honest with yourself, to start. What do you think about what I've thrown out? Is any of that helpful or what? I think this sounds like utter quackery. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Yeah, I, that's, that's all very... Uh very valid and important stuff that I think people need to think about. And, uh, you know, I also think from personal experience, when you uh, mentioned fibromyalgia, I, I think I mentioned this on one of my uh, early shows here on uh, the infinite journey uh, that I, I actually have fibromyalgia. I was crossing the road. I was visiting my parents. It was new year's day, 1990. I was visiting for a little while. Then I was, I was leaving. I was going to go to a friend's house. And where I had to park was across the road, uh, just, you know, a little regular two-lane road. And I was going to my car. You know, I checked both ways, up and down, nothing. I start going across the road. I, I happen to glance up, and here's this pickup truck uh, coming right at me. And it was a kid speeding, you know, doing something like 65 in a 40-mile-an-hour uh, a zone, and he just slammed right into me. So I woke up in the hospital. I was I was out of it. There was you know lights out and uh, on the playground. Uh, you know when I woke up, I had uh, I was in the hospital. I had a fractured wrist, fractured pelvis, fractured tailbone, uh, and, and a concussion. And you know because of that uh, particular accident, that was a turning point in my life because I, I started to have. Uh, afterwards, even though I was, I was, you know, healed up and it was probably due, uh, to getting hit, you know, like, you know, whiplash and, you know, the, the, uh, the, the head and the neck snapping on impact. I had a lot of upper back and neck pain and also uh, lower back pain. And over the years, because of that, that pain that was just, you know, constantly there, uh, I ended up, uh, developing from that, you know, cause fibromyalgia can be the pain centers in the brain sending out all kind of impulses uh, where there's not necessarily pain because it gets confused by uh, the chronic or constant pain and you know in the body it's one of the reasons that uh, fibromyalgia can uh, form so I ended up getting this and you know now you know I I have the light sensitivity I get the fatigue I get the body aches and pain sometimes it feels like you know, you're coming down with the flu or a cold, mm -hmm. but but you're not. 
there's sometimes that it does. You get the brain fog. It can mess with your emotional state. You'll be angry or depressed. I was just talking to you the other day and saying, man, you know, sometimes I feel like I just want to fly off the handle at the littlest thing when I have uh, a flare up. Mm-hmm. And these are all normal things, you know, and uh, I, I'm always real on this show. I always tell people it's, you know, I'm never going to come on here and be like uh, people on the Internet. Well, hey, look at me. Uh, I'm the spiritual guy who can walk on water and nothing ever bad <laughs> bad ever happens. No, this is real life. And it's 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 something that I live with. It's something that I deal with sometimes on a daily basis. And uh, some of the things I've learned. I mean, this uh, this accident was 1990. I would say probably by 1992 is when I was starting to feel some of the symptoms of the fibromyalgia ki- kicking in, but I didn't know what it was. But, you know, uh, therefore, shortly after uh, I-, I learned about this condition. But some of the things I learned, you know, dealing with something that causes pain, it can cause fatigue, uh, it can cause the brain fog, the mood swings where you feel just kind of down or, you know, easily aggravated. Um, A, I would say anybody dealing with any kind of pain that leads to, you know, depression or feeling angry, angry at the world, angry at yourself, angry at your body, which are all natural responses to pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, learn to take care of yourself. Yes. You know, I am lucky enough where, you know, what I do, I, I work from home, I do my own thing, you know, but if I have to shut down and tell people, hey, I, I can't do any uh, you know, readings today or spiritual counseling today, I'm going to, you know, put, you know, reschedule. If I'm not feeling up to it, you know, I, I do it. I, It's hard not to guilt trip yourself. Oh, I should be helping people. Oh, I should be doing my job, you know, but you have to learn when to say when. If you need a nap, take a nap. Don't yes. berate yourself for it. You know, yes. whatever it is you need, do it. It only makes it worse to push so, I mean, some days it's great. We can push through that pain and that fatigue and we're like, look at me, man, you know, I'm a champ, but other days, no way. And when you can't do what you need to do, you know, some, don't, don't oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say some people feel guilty about that. They feel, you know, they, they feel that they're putting a burden on everybody and they don't, mm-hmm. uh, people are not taught. Uh, or physicians and other people, family members, they're not skilled enough to sit down and say, now what's the plan that we're going to use? It's like if you got cancer and went to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. You know, I love that commercial because they have a big holistic approach and they have people coming from all different disciplines to try and take take a look at you because you're not, you know, you're not just, we're not just Paul or Stan, you're not just a male at a certain age and there's a couple of factors. There's things that have to do with how you eat, how you sleep, uh, what you think, what your activity level are, uh, is rather, uh, you know, what are your religious beliefs? What are your political beliefs? What is your level of physical activity? What do you do for entertainment and things like that? And, you know, it's not a very hard thing to do to take a status uh, kind of a, a report or examination on yourself or have an advocate or a trained person do this with you. And come up with a plan 
to maximize the odds in your favor of feeling the best that you can about things. Mm-hmm. That's what you're. That, that's what you were heating at, uh, he, um, heading at, and I was before. If you don't mind, if I could take a couple of seconds, there's there's some things that you should absolutely do. If you're a spiritual person, you should definitely, whether it's a minute a day, five minutes a day, develop a spiritual routine where if you like to write, even if you don't, get a composition book and and have a prayer request. Take time and talk to God or the God of your choice or your belief system or or whatever your spiritual path is. Have that mind, body, and spirit connection and understand it's very powerful. And when you're missing one area or another and you're not picking up the slack in that area, you're lowering the odds that you're going to you know, have the best result given your condition. But I'm being dead serious that you look at things honestly. It's like a thinking, feeling, doing model. You, you look at your feelings honestly. When you look at things, don't don't you know, be caught into what we have nowadays with an alternate set of reality. If it looks like you're going to die, well, then as scary as that is, start with that premise if you can. If, if Let's take a less serious one. If it looks like you're going to be in for a lot of pain for a long time, find out what that really means. You know, don't worry about handling it that part. Do your talking to the, you know, to, to, the, to the entity of your choice. Try and find um, uh, a support group or a clinician, or somebody, a good doctor, um, a, a, a good group to go to. It might, be, it might be some kind of a pain management clinic where they have a pain support group. I know where my wife goes for her pain management thing for her neck. I see people coming out of there. And it's a it's a pain management support group for people of severe back injuries and neck injuries are chronically in pain. Uh, you know, the old thing, misery likes company. Well, when people are miserable, they get great support and they feel much better <coughs> when they see other people who have the same thing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and they realize that they're not alone and those people have tips and guidance. The other thing you can do is you can look, if you're, if it's, if you're capable of it with pain or depression, volunteer. Try and help an animal. Try and help another person. Uh, you do something different. I said laughter being the best medicine. Yeah. Try and make sure that each day read something funny. Uh, try and put something on that's lighthearted with. Try and have good music. Eat well. Sleep well. If you can exercise, exercise. You know, do things that you like. Fresh air. Fresh air and sunshine. A marvelous curative kinds of things. Am I making sense, Paul? Yeah, that's uh, certainly what I was going to, uh, some of the things I was going to suggest, you know, when you're you're dealing with pain and it alters your mood, it makes you depressed, makes you angry. Uh, as I said, you know, you take a nap if you need it, take a Tylenol it's, if you need it, take, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I only take over-the-counter uh, for my fibromyalgia. I'm not on, on any, uh, you know, major uh, prescription <laughs> drugs because... Most of them that they have for fibromyalgia right now are absolutely terrible, and the side effects, uh, the, the cure, uh, you know, is worse than the, the condition. But uh, you know, over-the-counter pain meds, uh, stretching, meditation, um, right. prayer, as as you mentioned, 
Absolutely. And, and I think in I, th I think in meditation, uh, as you said, even if it's a minute, five minutes, set a timer. And, and I recommend what they call, and I talked about this on the show before, uh, sitting in the presence of God. Just close your eyes and just right. feel that divine love, that accepting presence all around you. You know, this is how you get to know God and commune with God personally and have that personal experience. You know, forget, you know, I talk about a lot on the show about being indoctrinated and things we're taught to believe, you know, and, and we don't get to know our higher power through other what other people tell us about it. You know, people can come and tell me all kind of things about Stan, but I'm not really going to know Stan unless I get to know him myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and when when you when you do that, why I think this is important is because it gives you strength and, and you do get that. Just that euphoric feeling that you're not alone, you feel that presence of God and the, the guardian angels around you. And for me, and, and one of the things I did, you know, years ago, I, I grew up in a family that was perseverated on illness and death, you know, and dying. I grew up, uh, you know, with a, a very unhealthy fear of death, and I had to overcome that. And one of the ways I did that was by taking the Buddhist approach as meditating or thinking about impermanence. I'm not going to be here forever. And I would take little ways to do this. I remember one night uh, I fell asleep and I was in that deep, deep, dreamless sleep. It was just black. And I remember waking up from that sleep and I just took a moment, you know, I, I sat up in the bed and I, I took a moment to say, you know, that kind of sleep is, is a lot like death. If there's nothing beyond, was it really so bad? You know, but of course I believe there's, there's something beyond this life, but you know, little exercises like that, taking a look at the reality of death. Um, even asking myself the question, a lot of us are afraid to ask. What if I am wrong? What if it is just oblivion? What's the worst that can come of that? And when you really come to terms with the worst case scenario, uh, again, I think that strengthens you as well. And now for me, you know, illness, pain, I've come to a place, it's, it's like the pill in the bottle, you know, that we were talking about earlier. I'll, I'll ask myself, what's the worst it's going to do? Kill me? What if I go to the doctor tomorrow and they say, gee, you got six months to live. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, I'm going to die. Well, then what? I'm absolutely convinced through my studies over the years and looking at many uh, near-death experiences and deathbed visions that people have had, uh, consciousness definitely survives death. So what am I, what am I afraid of? What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, and, uh, and and that that that's really strengthening for me. So I think, you know, that meditation, that communing with God, that strengthening your faith, looking at the possibility of death, really looking it in the eyes and stop running from it. We're probably one of the only cultures, you know, here in these uh, Western states who avoid the subject of death and we never want to think about it. And then when it happens or a loved one dies, oh, my God, you know, what a horrible tragedy. And then we, many people, you know, start becoming fearful of their own mortality. Oh, my mother just passed away. Oh, my God, this reminds me of one day 
I'm going to die. My wife is going to die. My husband's, you know, and, and they start going on fear and sorrow. And, and I think that's more unnatural than actually coming to terms with it and saying, you know what? It's a natural part of the cycle of life. Is like you said, nobody's getting out of life alive. No. Let me just be okay with that and accept and trust what comes next. You know, and I, I think that does wonders for uh, for the morale, you know, overcoming the greatest fear, growing closer to God, you know, that it's it's really strengthening and uplifting. And it makes a difference even on some days when you feel like utter junk. <laughs> I mean, at least it mm-hmm. does for me, you know. Well, you know, there's uh, one of the things that's really important with this whole conversation. When you don't feel well, one of the things that people do many times is they shut themselves in a room. Uh, or people say, "I'm taking, you know, I'm taking them, I'm taking to bed. I'm going downstairs. I don't feel well. I'm going upstairs. Uh, he's in his sick bed. She's in her sick bed. You know, I have to be in the hospital. There's nobody. Whatever. Uh, many times we don't feel well, and we're not in the hospital. Uh, we're home." And then we stop going out, like when I talked about the COVID scenario, uh, we stop associating with other people or doing our routines or whatever. And we don't, excuse me, stay connected with people. It's important to stay connected if you can. The other thing is when you meet with your doctor, when you meet with your healthcare provider, when you meet with the, those people that you may have hired uh, to help you with things, you have to let the you have to you know understand that those people work for you. That uh, you know you want to try and follow the doctor's advice with different things. Uh, you know that's why you're hiring him or her uh, to do things for you. But they're not God. You have to let them know what your particular goals are for yourself. Uh, you know I, I've had to tell my doctors uh, several times. Well, don't you want this procedure? You know. And I'll say, hey, I'm 70 years old. I don't necessarily want this invasive procedure that I would have wanted when I was 50 or 40. Well, why not? Well, because number one, you have to live life, in my opinion, like a card counter. Is that really going to prolong my life? And number two, is there a risk that the, you know, the procedure is worse than the potential of me having something? You know, maybe that's not what I want. Maybe that's what you want as the doctor for me. But that's not what I want for myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's important to realize for pain. If the doctor says, well, that's something, you know, you have to get used to. Or no, not necessarily. That maybe maybe you need to change doctors. Uh, maybe you need to let the doctor or your husband or wife or somebody else know, you know what you're feeling uh, is on things. I'll give you a good example. It's like when people get cancer or they get something else. And family members, many times they want you to let go and die, you know, and other times they want you to hang on uh, so they don't have to face your death. And it really doesn't, you know, it's important to know what other people want, but it really doesn't matter what they want. Right. It matters what you want. It matters what, what you know, you know, you know, if, if we're using religion, it matters what, you know, you feel God has in store for you, or you feel your life has in store for you, or, you know, you, you may be, as Paul said, I mean, saying, hey, look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to commit suicide, but I don't want all these dramatic means. I think I'm going to heaven. 
So I'm not worried about it. I'd like to get this part of my journey over with. And believe it or not, there's lots of people like that, lots of devout and religious people. They don't want to leave their husbands and families behind. They're sad. But they're also kind of anticipating a good life in the next life. If it's something serious. Uh, and uh, I don't want to center on death, but l- let's let's talk about living with pain. You were talking about getting closer to God. Uh, one thing is I think that so many people, they, they take their spiritual life. Let's say if you do believe in God, whatever your religion is uh, or spiritual uh, thought is, you know, for me, I do believe in God. And I could sit and talk to God like I'm talking to you right now. So converse with God. Talk with God like you would talk with your husband or wife or child or a friend and get into that habit. Um, you know, and, 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 and divest yourself of the, you know, some people still try to, you know, talk to God like they're reading the King James version. Yes. Oh, yes. Father, thou art. No, just just talk to him like, you know, he's your best friend, like he's. A family member because essentially uh, he is you know yeah, so you get, get rid of yeah. all the you know get rid of all the uh, religious notions and and just be real and uh, you'll feel a heck of a lot better as well when you don't think you're uh, you know petitioning the volcano god with oh thou great god ye yes. of, yeah, and, and, and that's good to do with your family members if you can. That's good to do with, like I said, your doctors or other people. Tell people the truth. If you're not feeling well, tell people you're not feeling well. Tell them what. Tell them the things that make you feel better. You know, and uh, again, honesty is a wonderful thing. Sometimes people will feel so much better by simply saying, you know. What's bothering you the most? What do you the most? Why is you have so much pain? Why are you depressed? Because I'm frightened. I don't know if I can handle the pain. I don't know when it's going to end. And sometimes just telling the truth that you're frightened about something, or you feel lonely about something, or you feel confused about something. You know, it. it you know, that's the wonderful thing about fresh air and the light. That's why it's important to get out in the outdoors. Uh, if it's sitting on your porch or going in the sunshine, sunlight is a great disinfectant. And that's, those are not just words. It's like if you're a sinner, you know, if we were talking about a religious show, that's the wonderful thing about confession, right? Mm-hmm. You can't tell your wife you cheated on her or your boss that you ripped money off from the store or your kid that, uh, that you know, you, you punched him in the head and, and meant it and everything else like that. But if you're honest, you can, you can sit down and, and tell, you know, your doctor or you could tell uh, your your priest or minister or rabbi or better yet you could sit down and, and tell the good lord he knows anyway yeah i i say uh you know if you can uh make a pact uh, me and my wife do this if one of us you know are uh, having a bad day or you know upset about something or you know maybe we're just not feeling particularly good uh we have that pact you know no matter what time it is no matter what we're doing uh, we can sit down and say, hey, you know what, uh, I, I need to unload what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking about. And it's so funny when when we do that, you know, if if a moment comes where one of us needs to unload, how 
each of us always say at the end of all that, gee, I feel so much better. Even the, the physical pain is lightened or right. gone. Right. And if you don't have a family member or a friend to do that with, uh, do it with God. And there's a great technique that I learned years ago from a metaphysician called Joseph Murphy. Uh, you know, he wrote books a long, long time ago, The uh, the Power of the Subconscious Mind. Um, you know, many great books on metaphysics and the subconscious. And he talked about people in history, uh, even the uh, the gentleman, I don't remember his name, who wrote uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson. And Robert Louis, yep. And uh, he said a lot of these people uh, would uh, sit and talk to their muse or talk to God. They would pull up an empty chair and make believe, you know, visualize what would he look like. Have them set in front of them and say, you know, what's really bothering me or what ideas do you have for me? You know, I've used that technique in the past and it, it works great. So if you have no one else, if, if you just want to talk to God, you know, in the empty room, that's great. Uh, if you feel better pulling up a chair or making believe he's, you know, sitting on the edge of your bed, listening to what you're saying, it works the same way. You'll feel a thousand percent better once you get through this process. And now. Uh, we only have about two, three minutes left, but I want to touch on something before we close. And this is for all the people that uh, I mentioned in the beginning who are on disability. They have uh, chronic pain or, uh, you know, issues, health issues where they can't work. You know, there's a lot of people that, that make themselves feel worse because they say, well, they feel uh, worthless. They feel like they're they're not contributing uh, you know, that they're, they don't have anything, uh, you know, don't go down that road either. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not to blame. You're not worthless because you're on disability or you can't work anymore. Things happen and don't make, let people make you feel less than if this is the case. I remember a friend of mine years ago who was on disability. He had, uh, very bad, uh, you know, back issues from uh, a car accident and a, a botched uh, surgery. And he decided he wanted to uh, finally one day look for love. He was a single guy and he went on one of the Internet dating sites. And uh, I stopped over his house one evening and he was kind of, you know, dejected. And I was like, what? Well, what's wrong? You know, he seemed like something's bothering. He said, yeah, you know, I. I talked to this woman today, you know, the, the first person on the dating site, we were talking on the phone and, you know, I wanted to be honest with her and I told her I was on disability, you know, and she, she, she started berating me and saying she needed a man that could provide for her. I didn't have anything. How, I, how was I going to support a family? You know, she, she wanted to travel. She wanted all these different things and she needed uh a man that could provide all of this and you know, made me feel really bad. And like, I'm, I'm not going to find anybody, you know, just kind of threw back in my face. I don't have, you know, I don't have anything. And I asked him, I said, well, what did she do for a living? And I almost fell under the table. He said, well, she was on disability. I said, what? Are you kidding me? And uh, this woman lit, was on disability, lived with her parents he was on disability, could, but could afford his own, you know, home, his own apartment. And I said, you know, don't let somebody like that make you feel bad. That That is, she's in the same boat you are, and you're taking this all on yourself. Like, uh, 
you're doing something wrong. You know, you're feeling bad. You're feeling miserable. It's agitating your mood. It's agitating your pain. You're not feeling well. You know, we believe all kind of crazy things and because of the judgments people have about us. And, uh, you know, don't let them put them, put you in that position where it makes you feel worse, you know, psychologically, mentally, physically, um, you don't want the kind of people around you anyway, who want to be your friend or marry you because of what you have or don't have. I think we see a lot of that in the world today for many years now, people getting married because he's successful or she's successful. And do those marriages work? Do those friendships last? They don't. So don't don't base your worth on something like that and only irritates you and the uh, the the situation at hand. And, you know, don't feel like you're a second class citizen because you're not. And I know a lot of people on disability feel that way. They feel helpless and, uh, you know, don't there's there's nothing wrong with you the way you are. So with that being said, uh, I th think we have to say goodbye. We're closing in on an hour. I do have a, a bit of a time limit on how uh, long I can make this recording on the site that I record on. So Stan, in closing, where can they uh, contact you really quick and uh, your yeah. show? Yeah, my, my new show is called Right Now, and it's on Anchor and all the other podcasts. You can get that right now with Stan Wanglin. You can check it out. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of me personally, it's Stan Wangland, uh, S Wangland, S W A N G L U N D at gmail.com or Stan Wangland on Facebook. And I love the show. It's a good show. Yeah, I think we, uh, we covered, uh, quite a gambit of scenarios here and I hope it was, uh, helpful to some people, you know, mentally and, and spiritually and gave some ideas on how one might cope with uh, feeling pain and depression and anxiety. And uh, hey, man, thanks for coming on. And let's uh, let's do this again. Yeah, we ought to do a part two. Yeah, well, we could do a part two, three, four. This this is a subject that uh, you know you, you really could go into uh, much deeper. Yeah. But we will we will definitely uh, speak to you again. Uh, I hope we weren't too uh, long-winded in this episode for those of you who listen. But uh, as usual, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time here on The Infinite Journey. God bless.